0: Welcome back to another episode of the ShuttlePod podcast. I'm Kayla Yakovino, and I'm joined by Brian Drew.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: And Matt Wright. Hey, guys. Um, today, we want to get physical media
2: <laughs>
0: and talk about the world of physical media and Star Trek DVDs, Blu-rays and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's topical given uh, Matt, who is our sort of physical media guru, um, who's done pretty much all of our uh, DVD Blu-ray collection sets reviews um, on TrekMovie.com. And there's just a new one out, uh, his review on the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray um, for the Next Generation 4 movie collection. So definitely go check that out. Um, it's going to be jumping jumping off point today for our discussion to kind of look back at Um, you know, the current state of physical media and track and sort of the history over the last couple decades, I guess, really. Um, But before we jump into that, I just wanted to mention, um, since there's been a historical um, thing that's happened in the world of space exploration, the crew of Artemis 2, the second um, Artemis flight in NASA's return to the moon, uh, the crew of Artemis 2 was announced. uh, And these four people will be... Uh, blasting off on the SLS, the uh, Space Launch System, NASA's big rocket, which is almost as big as the Saturn V, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredible. We've sent one of those um, uncrewed, already circled the moon, took some amazing pictures of the moon and the Earth. Uh, it's the farthest uh, thing that we've man rated, human rated spacecraft we've sent um, since the Apollo era. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time it'll have people on it, and those people are going to be Commander Reed Wiseman. Uh, pilot Victor Glover, who will be the first African-American to go on a lunar mission. Uh, mission spe- Specialist Christina Koch will be the first woman to go on a lunar mission. Um, and Jeremy Hansen, Mission Specialist, who will be the first Canadian to go on a lunar mission. So there's a lot of firsts in this one. Yep. Uh, really amazing crew have been working with NASA and the Canadian Space Agency for a long time. They're going to hop on the Space Launch System and the Orion capsule. Um, fly around the moon just like Artemis one did and come back they won't be landing yet on the moon um, Artemis 3 will be when we actually get boots on the moon um, again and and NASA does have funding and plans to actually do it through at least Artemis 3 there might be funding for for four and five as well I'm not sure on that um, but it's it's happening people hashtag That's, we are going
1: yeah never exciting. thought it would, this day would come
2: yeah I think think we'd all sort of given up on that
1: which yep. is sad but here yep. we are i mean so, none, none right. of us were alive when the apollo missions ended yeah so we've never lived in a world where you know people were going to the moon on the regular no
0: this will be the farthest we've sent humans since the 1970s yeah. um prior between now and then uh the farthest we sent humans i believe was to the it was the hubble servicing missions where they would go to service the hubble space, hubble space telescope but we've never really left earth orbit since the seventies Yeah, 70s. yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Um, and we'll still be wow. you know in the earth moon system but they're going to orbit the moon and yep. we haven't done that in a long time so it's yeah, pretty exciting I
1: mean, the last apollo 17 was in december of 72 so wow. Yep. and by the time it'll be 52 years between trips which I think I don't think anybody in the late '60s would have dreamed it would. That would oh happen. gosh, no!
2: I mean, you but. think about what was assumed to be next at that point. You know, It was like constant trips to the moon, yep. expansion to Mars, probably by yep. oh that was definitely 1980 or whatever. You know, yeah. and like, they thought yeah. we'd
0: have cities already on Mars by now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. There's plans, you know, this is supposed to be a jumping off point to go to Mars, there's this thing called the Lunar Gateway, which is essentially like a little space station type thing, much smaller than the ISS that would orbit the moon, um, and act as like a supply depot, um, and have people stay there for, I don't know, weeks or months, with the idea that then they would, um, could refuel a spacecraft in lunar orbit and send it to Mars, so it would be a sort of an easier way because you need a lot of fuel to get to Mars, uh-huh. and going straight from Earth, like escaping Earth gravity, is using most of that fuel. So if you can refuel in orbit, you can get people there. So that's the that's the long term plan. But you know, we'll see how the political atmosphere changes in the next decade or so, and see what uh-huh. actually we end up getting out of it.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: All right. Well. Let's talk about Star Trek. Um, Matt, do you want to take us kind of through your, like catch us up on on the new Blu-ray set that's out?
2: Yeah. So kind of like we last year um, when they did a big set for the TOS movies, it's the four TNG movies uh, available in a newly uh, a new fresh 4k edition that looks mighty nice um it's the same kind of setup you know with that you get a copy in 4k blu-ray and a copy on standard blu-ray also because that's where most of the bonus features hang out Uh or so just a backstory like really all all that we've had are the same versions of these movies just like with tos movies since what technically dates back to like the early 2000s And we got they got put on Blu-ray in two thousand nine. Two thousand nine, yeah. And that's all we that's really all that's been around since like if you saw it on cable, if you saw it on streaming, like it's the exact same stuff that was done, you know, to that era's standards, which is quite a while ago actually. And so they all show their age.
1: Yeah, this was long overdue, this remastering project.
2: Yeah, and so I mean, along the way we've gotten as I sort of mentioned, like <laughs> in my review too, we've you know the the what you get for the price, both in size and quality for like a TV today, has gone way up, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, something that was done probably 2005ish for like HD cable channels, which is probably where these old ones, you know, originated from. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's it's a totally different era. They were also made for like the special, you know, edition DVD sets that were really popular at the time. So their target wasn't even necessarily like HD. Their target was looks good on DVD, which is like standard def. Oh, and by the way, it also happens to be prepped in HD for whatever it's worth. And then later they were like, oh, we have these things. They're technically HD. Let's throw them on Blu-ray. And so that's sort of what happened. Um, so they've they, they've been a little lacking really even when they were first put out in 2009 right so i'm happy to say that somewhere along the way uh probably i think a couple years ago they really prepped all this stuff and then held on to it for the right you know timing right Right. there's got to be release timing for it so of course with picard season three that was the right time to release the four movies and they look substantially better
1: yes i mean it's worth mentioning the issues that the original movies had besides the fact that the transfers themselves are old yeah they used a lot of an an absurd amount of digital noise reduction Hmm. which essentially eliminated all the film grain or most of it
2: yeah then what they do which is where this gets even weirder is then they sharpen it back up so so it looks sharp at a glance right but what you've done and people, you can do this in an image editor with a still image. And you know what this is like, like you can over sharpen something. And so then, you know, sure. Like edges get darker. Okay, great. So perceptually, like really sort of a quick glance, it doesn't look bad, but that's not as, is that realistic? Is that true to like how the 35 millimeter film looked now? Not really. It
1: it removes a ton of detail
2: as things, you know, and can Consumers have gotten better quality and sort of things have gotten more, you know, people have gotten more sophisticated about this. And, of course, the cost to do a high quality job has come down. The cost Mm -hmm. to make a 4K plus maybe, you know, 8K scan, whatever, and then work on it. That's much less expensive today to do that. So, you know, it's kind of a win-win in that sense that it's not even a huge uh, problem, you know, expense in the same way it once was. I mean, I remember when... I think it was it was or like some versions of T2. It was a huge deal that it was scanned in 4K because that was hugely, hugely like high resolution compared to it being like a special edition um, DVD at the time. You know, because mm-hmm. they were... And of course, as as people, again, if you play with image editing, you know, you want to start with a higher quality source before you start messing with anything. It's <laughs> much better... To start as high as possible mm-hmm. and then then resize when you're done, right? And so this is true of video. You know, it's video is just a bunch of still frames, right, put together. So this it's the same, you know, sort of concept applies of, like, it really matters where you do your tinkering, mm-hmm. what kind of tinkering you do. What kind of tinkering
1: image. you're doing,
2: right? Right. And so um, starting with as high as quality as possible, using modern tools, all of that can only be good. And right. that's what we have, <laughs> right.
1: yeah. Because those 2009 discs, like some of them, some of the 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 transfers are worse than others. But yeah. like the Undiscovered Country in particular,
2: oh my, it, looks, yeah. They, everybody
1: <laughs> looks very waxy. So
2: yeah, the Voyage Home and the Undiscovered Country are were god awful for that. They looked like wax figures, you know. If you really you know bad. if you looked at it, especially the larger the screen you view that on, the more you're like. What?
1: Yeah, if you look at those on a 4K display, forget about it. They look hideous. Yeah.
2: They didn't hold up at all. No. So the name of the game when you were prepping something for DVD was do an HD scan, uh, filter it, and sharpen it. Because by the time you resize it to 480, that looks pretty good. Mm. But when you start to view it at its like native size, like 1080p or higher, mm-hmm. right? that was a trick for the low-res days of dvd
1: so these new 4ks are very welcome
0: can i ask a question about yes. these like a technical question so of i'm coming at this from the perspective i'm not someone who's in the past spent a lot of money on physical media um in a lot of ways because i moved around a lot didn't want to take it with me um now i'm a bit more settled And I'm also becoming increasingly concerned about my lack of access to my own digital content. You know, the whole question of, Mm -hmm. do you actually own that content? I own quote, quote unquote, all of the Star Trek movies on iTunes. And I I think of all the services I trust them the most, but there's still no guarantee that it won't go away or I won't have access to it. And so for things like this, like I, I'm planning to buy this, new blu-ray set for the tng movies to have even if i go normally watch the digital copies because it's because i'm too lazy to go open the box sure they'll be there you know um but here's i honestly don't understand the difference between in terms of like the hardware you need between like the regular blu-ray and the ultra hd blu-ray
2: uh it is a different player Uh, okay do you need an ultra hd player because ultra hd blu-ray is like a super set it's built it, it's different it's built on top of the technology it's like foundation. blu-ray
0: plus yeah like, okay
2: right. so it holds because 4k is larger it's a it's a newer relative that holds even more like space oh. than standard blu-rays do and also because the compression algorithm it uses again being newer is a newer compression algorithm that of course a standard blu-ray player wasn't doesn't has no idea how to okay. decompress Code. yeah right
0: so, but do I need, like, is it worth buying that player if I don't have a 4K
2: television? No. No. Don't, don't bother. Uh, so, for example, like with this set, if you think you're going to go 4K, buy the 4K set because it also includes standard Blu-rays and just, like, keep the 4K for the future.
0: Cool, because yeah, eventually You're I'll upgrade it. to a 4K TV, and eventually I'll upgrade. My yeah, Blu-ray
1: the set, player the review. set will that set will future proof you basically, okay. right?
2: So basically, you can because that's the cool part is that it includes again based on the same newly remastered you know masters normal Blu-ray versions. So
0: I mean, do they even sell it without those? Then why would you not buy the set? Is it cheaper? Without- uh,
2: you know what's funny is only a smidge it's for people who just don't want want them it's really funny because when you do the yeah i know when you do the math on like this box set it's on amazon right now for 70 bucks yeah
0: i'm looking at it right now yeah i'm about to i'm about to add to cart
2: divide that by four that's you know a little under 18 that's like 18 bucks a movie which is very a very normal price for uh a ultra hd blu-ray very good price for that. And then like, yeah, okay, it's a little more expensive than like the standard Blu-ray, but big deal. A standard Blu-ray copy might be like 15. So you're paying a few bucks more to have the future-proof part, you know?
0: It's totally worth it. Especially like, do you think they're ever going to make, and like, is this the last of these yeah. kind of sets we might ever see? Yes.
2: I, yeah, I firmly, I mean, it, I, I mean, the industry analysts, like everyone tells you, look, this is probably the last physical media format that physical media and this is one of those things that we need to stress is physical media has become niche right it's it's become more and more niche and because of that studios are very careful (laughs) about how they spend money on
1: what yeah what is happening in particular with 4k not so much blu-ray and 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 there's still a burgeoning DVD market out. Oh there yeah! As
2: well. By the way, shockingly, DVD still sells out. They still sell because... really well, really, because um, DVD yeah. players are everywhere.
0: Huh.
1: And there's a lot of things that are put out on DVD that you cannot get anyplace else. Yeah. I
0: mean, my my PlayStation Four has a Blu-ray player in it. Like I thought yeah. those.
1: Well, they're all backwards compatible. Yeah. I mean, the 4K player Matt and I have, of course, plays everything DVDs. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, okay. but but you're but you're right. Like it is kind of it is a little shocking in a way. But also you have to, you have to kind of remember who buys physical media aside from collectors like
0: yeah like who us who buys
2: physical media it tends to be older people who aren't early adopters of anything. They have a DVD player. They're good with that. They know right. how they, to operate They go to Redbox you know. when they yeah, put the go to right at the box. grocery store. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, hey, that new, you know, the latest season of, of like NCIS, they'll put that out on DVD. No, they <laughs> really will. It's Amazing. Yeah, they really will. Blue
0: Bloods? Will. Is there Blue Bloods? Yeah, I'm DVD sure said? there is. Yeah,
2: yeah. They, and, so, and so you can find all kinds of stuff only on DVD. Right. Because they don't deem it worth their time to do, i mean to do anything so, you know, more with it.
0: So let me ask you your opinion on this because like I brought up, you know, I feel like I'm not the only millennial and other, you know, uh, other generations included yeah, in this as well, but yeah. yeah Gen Z and Gen Xers, I think, as well, that are realizing what I was just talking about of how we don't actually own this content, and it actually—I mean, we've known that for a while, but me personally, it's really only started to set in that I that I care about yeah. that more recently. And and I'm at a point in my life where I can just throw seventy bucks on a DVD set without thinking about it, like I just right.
2: did. And like you said, you also have a place. You, and I have a, feel I have you have can a place to put it. them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, but I think a lot, especially for millennials who are getting into that part of their lives, right? Um, and and Gen Zers who will soon. Do you think there might be a turnaround where physical media picks up again because people start shying away from this, yes. this digital ownership problem?
2: What do
1: you I think, do, Brian? Yeah. Yes. And it's some of it is sheer practical reasons. As it's become very clear to, to everybody, streaming is still, in many ways, not a particularly viable business um oh yeah Mm -hmm. disney in particular like once they decided that disney plus was going to be the be all and end all didn't completely stop releasing movies on physical media but cut back quite a bit and recently bob Iger indicated that that's going to change because it's an actual business that makes money
2: yeah sure it's not the most glamorous and it doesn't necessarily make money like gangbusters but this goes back to the whole is it's a steady stable yeah
1: and Disney's got a huge li- – they bought 20th Century Fox. Which yeah, they have a right. whole library that just sits there not doing anything.
2: Yeah, think about all those Fox movies that are just there.
1: So I agree. that You're probably going to see a lot of that. There's been a huge – as it is, even in the past year or so, I think Matt would agree, there's been a larger output overall from the studios and from independent labels. There's a lot I of agree, Yeah. media coming.
2: Yeah, there. totally. There, there's been some really great stuff. People are starting to pay attention to their archives more. Yeah. um you know what's in their archival you know stuff going all the way back to really old niche films from like the 30s are suddenly available um all, and, and then all the way to things like obviously like the, the classic star trek movies are at least coming out in 4k um you know you just it's kind of amazing i mean over warner brothers does <laughs> does actually an amazing job with their archival stuff and so i mean th- they're releasing just like amazingly restored Versions Warner of Archive like the Maltese amazing. Falcon mm-hmm. and like Casablanca that look, yeah, I mean, the Casablanca bonkers 4Ks. good, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're lovingly restored to yeah. the way, yeah, you know, they've pristine, they sort probably of like, look
1: better, they probably look better now than they did when they were being run at theaters, sure, when they because
2: released. there's no generational loss of printing right. 35 millimeter, you know, prints forever
1: yeah, and that might be worth mentioning too when people ask why 4K, ah, yes obviously the bump in resolution, you know, it's twice the, it's twice the resolution of an ordinary Blu-ray. And if you're a film person, like who, you know, is, wants it in the best you can get. it, And for somebody like me who goes back to like the laser disc days, also a very niche market. <laughs> yeah, um, 35 millimeter is more or less 4k. The source material is in 4k. Thirty-five millimeter hmm. film, so you're finally getting to see these movies how they were constructed as as they were meant to be seen. Out, you know, you know, you went in the theater, you saw them that way, but but in home theater, you, we've never had the ability up until now to see films
2: Reasonable. in their native format.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: I mean, I guess it's hard to measure, right? The it's, actual, it's very
2: hard to measure because arguably. Uh, 35 millimeter film is anywhere between like 4k and say 11k, depending on who you ask, and the film stock and, and the grain size, stocking, right? yeah.
1: yeah, like IMAX or 65 millimeter film. I think is well, that's yeah, that's much, or 7k, something, yeah. Like that. They
2: routinely work on that at at least six or 8k when they're right. working on it, yeah. Um, so but but either way, one of yeah, I think you have raised a good point, brand of like this is one of the first, uh, and it. And it it almost has like don't get hung up on the you know counting k's you know counting pixels part
1: of it yeah yeah because it's because people do yeah Uh,
2: one of one of the things about this is just think about it as the compression algorithms have also advanced enough oh yeah Yeah, a bunch of other things that you know what it can do it can represent natural film grain without things thinking that's noise and thinking that's a problem. Right. right? Wow. We, because we have a pro you know, that's a problem with digital representation of sort of natural things, right? What's noise? What's natural texture? Right. Right. I mean that's true of anything. Like take a pic take a picture of, of like, you know, an orange, right? Like the outside of an orange to it's, how does yeah. it what what yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah what's noise to a digital algorithm what's not right and then you're and saying so, now
0: we have so much better capability to differentiate yes. those it can
2: preserve the what we you know if you're a big film person and some people aren't but Brian and I certainly are if you if you <laughs> like that look that film you know grain look it actually can preserve that instead of going huh i should probably either reject that or you know, you need to post process right. it somewhere. Somebody needs to filter it out because they can handle it. That is cool you know? as
0: hell. I just yeah. got to say.
2: Yeah, that is and very so cool. You really said that nice. really well, Matt. You said that yes, really well. It's, so it's really nice to have because, you know, more than anything, the key word that I've like repeated a bunch about, like, say, these 4K transfers, both of the TOS and TNG movies, is they look filmic, right? They look yeah. like the films, like you put a, a fresh, you know, 35 millimeter print on and you watched it. Right.
0: Yeah, it's like the difference between like looking at an actual painting and seeing the brushstrokes as they were laid on the canvas, right. or looking at a print of that
1: painting. Exactly. Excellent analogy. Exactly. Well, well put.
2: And so, so now, obviously, this is a print of that painting, but it happens to be a well preserved, really, print. really, really good print. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that does a pretty darn good job of yeah. giving you that feeling of the brushstrokes. Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. So, so there are a lot of people who you know grew up in the era of everything being all digital, and so the first thing you can hear those people say is ew it looks grainy which no that's mm. not actually grain like you know not not in the way they're thinking they're thinking of digital noise no that's not actually like noise well okay it is but it but it is inten- <laughs> technically it is but it is intentional noise that is inherent, in, inherent the in the medium of the film medium, was, in right. the medium yeah yes.
0: exactly like whether whether or not the director said, I want that piece of grain to show, that's how <laughs> right? it was. That's, that's how literally it was recorded.
2: how, right? That's literally how it was recorded on film. So, um, some people like, assume the scrubbing away is like better. And so, I've already seen, you know, every time I post one of these, like when I was doing it for the TOS movies, yeah, they undoubtedly, there are people who go, That looks softer and worse to me. And you go, Yes, because you think like you grew up in an era where everything was grain free and overly sharpened like and and so again this whole sort of perceptual thing of like yeah you glance at like and it's true like if you go glance at these screenshots that are like in my review of the 2009 editions especially like on a phone or like you know not even a phone just like a, a, a laptop screen and you glance at it at first glance yeah you are going to think the old 2009 editions look sharper but the question you have to ask yourself is, A, does that mean it's more accurate? By the way, the answer is no. And B, that is, is that the intended way to watch it? And the answer is also no. You are right. not supposed to watch it on a postage stamp size thing. The intention is to watch this on like a 77-inch screen, ideally, you know, something large, and kick back on your couch and watch it.
0: I mean, the other thing we have to mention, which you do in the article, is that these are downscaled. For the article, you're viewing them over the internet. You're viewing them, I don't know, you know, whatever computer you have, but you're not viewing it on the most modern 4K HDR
1: screen. Right. But people just need to understand if you take the grain away, you lose enormous amounts of detail. You can't just take the grain away and the movie will be fine. Like, if you take all the, that is inherent, as Matt said, it's inherent in what film is.
0: Well, go look at, like, as you guys are talking about this, I'm looking at your um, comparison, Matt, of um, Jordi looking at the sunset. That one is amazing. Like you can see so much more, and it is sort of grain, but you get more out looks, of like
2: looks messed up and waxy in the two thousand nine one.
0: And in the if you look at the new one in the background, you can see the buildings mm-hmm. better. Like. Mm-hmm they're not like kind of washed out as much right, did they also right. do redo the color timing on all of this yes. some of, like the yes. one of picard talking to the board queen it looks Absolutely. like i really like the new color timing on the, yes yes the that was that's the one. other
2: major benefit for all of this is that they give it a, a new color time and they go back to the you know original if they can find them if they have them which they should um the original sort of color timing notes from you know when the edit was done when these were released you know and, in theaters. They're,
1: and they're also working from the camera negatives
2: yes So they know, you know, they have a bunch of different references, like, you know, directors, editors, you know, notes. They have all kinds of stuff to go back to and recolor time everything. And so, yeah, the the most, the two that are most noticeable, you just called out one of them, is in First Contact. uh, I think it fell prey to the trends at the time where, you know, how everything got steely cold and, and cold yeah. and the in the aughts you know every movie was like that <laughs> yeah so i think when they were doing these releases it fell prey to that because yeah, yeah, as you were noticing it. it's pretty steely comparatively so
0: the new one is a lot warmer and yes, i like it. it's
2: a lot warmer and then the other one that they fixed is i don't know i don't remember when this happened but somewhere along the way generations got a yellow kind of cast yeah over everything it which is totally so much wrong. better now oh my and god they, and they
1: fixed that yeah kelly you're gonna like it it looks good
2: generations by the way can we just give some love to generations because i mean i am the number one generation psychologist. so i think it's perfect to say here with you is damn that movie looks pretty good man and the and the enterprise d sets which we always knew looked good like when they were well lit and and, like they looked great the way they lit them in generations well they look really nice now like they look really great yeah the bridge is like Mwah, chef's yeah. kiss you know yeah. it's like <laughs> it looks great <laughs>
1: yeah i mean yeah. i mean we've discussed this before generations the cinematography in generations is in my opinion the best of all the star trek films it's a gorgeous looking movie
0: it is pretty gorgeous he
1: really john Alonzo did a beautiful job with it
2: one other thing we should talk about is there's also sort of expectations around what hdr is and isn't to people also high dyna- right high
1: dynamic range
2: right and when you're doing a restoration of a film like these typically what you go for is what what they sort of term typically you find termed as a a restrained hdr grade as in you're not trying to do something unnatural or crazy with it so you're not trying to blow out your eyeballs at a bright moment if that's really not the way it was recorded on the film Right. right so um in some senses, if you're expecting, you know, certain things to just, like, be mind-blowingly bright or something, no. These films still look like the films that they are. Right. Uh, the only, you know, the main differences here are that with HDR, you get to have better, like, sort of, what do what you want to call it? Uh, better delineation of, like, things in the extreme brightness and extreme darkness of things, right? Like it can describe, like literally, it can describe things in the extremes better.
1: Yes, it renders gr- it renders gradations of things
2: better. So, no, these things aren't going to be artificially, you know, blown out and look
1: too colorful or whatever.
2: Yeah, like a modern blockbuster maybe was made with that in mind. <laughs> you mm. know, it just gives a better sort of depth, especially in the extremes of the picture. You know, edges. Hatch- right.
1: Right. It, it definitely helps movies like Generations, which have very diff, very delicate cinematography in certain areas. Generations falls in very light spaces and very dark spaces, sometimes in the it same does. frame. And it definitely helps. It, it stabilizes an image like that more than it ever would have been.
2: Yeah. And then, of course, the other bonus to all of this is that it also has a much uh, wider color gamut. So it, you're actually able to describe the sort of, the depth of different colors, you can liter it can literally be described digitally in in a better detail than the standard Blu-ray format. Right. So that's where you get things like a better sort of more saturated, like red, you know, and the maroons of the uniforms and things like that. Right. That that's just literally because one of the major benefits is that this format literally has more like digital bit depth to describe colors than right. the other one does yep so and none of these things make it unusual or like weird it's again this is about like this was literally there on the pristine 35 millimeter frame right this is what the we, movies look like we can now describe it right this is what they were really look appropriately look like. right digitally it's really nice
1: yeah i mean i have not had a chance to go through all four, all four movies that i only watched generations because i was very anxious to see how it would look in 4k and i was very very happy but I've heard from from you and from other people that everything, all of them, look good.
2: Yeah, even uh, even Nemesis gets a little help here and there.
1: <laughs> well, when they're on that planet, I'm guessing when when they're uh, in the Argo and you know, Jean luc is doing his rugged outdoorsman routine.
2: I made a note about that because I thought people were going to talk about it. That was stylistic, so it's still blown out because yeah, but it's
1: stable. Out. It's staying nice and stable though. It should look nice.
2: Yeah, I mean, it looks as good as it's gonna look. Right. I still hate that choice that they did with the crazy, like, blown out—you know—planet that they find before. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They try to make it look alien by just blowing it out. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. We're not gonna spend any money
1: here. Just you know, <laughs>
0: yeah. so, just open up the lens a little bit. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll yeah. trick people. This is another thing of of um, of movie producers and directors. Most of producers probably thinking that their audience is stupid. yeah like you know our favorite one of picard looking at a picture of his younger self who's like 20 year olds and 20 years old and bald bald. because the audience wouldn't know it was him unless he were bald right the audience won't know it's an alien planet unless we just yeah make it look stupid
2: yeah yeah you know we went out to the desert that's 20 minutes outside of la exactly (laughs) blow it out so you don't (laughs) notice that you know
0: did they actually, did they film that in the Imperial Sand Dunes? Area? You know, I
2: don't remember where they actually filmed that. Very, but that I'm sure fun. they
1: didn't go too far.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of places around there that look there's like so that. Many, so. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right.
2: There's so many places they could go.
1: Star Trek rarely leaves Southern California. So. <laughs> or Toronto,
0: right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I guess we should, though, talk about what's not new in a way and why that's just become normal. Yes. <laughs> Which is that I've seen a lot of people go, well, where's all this, like, Where's new bonus features? Now, mind you, this set has ev- just like essentially every single bonus feature that ever was on a DVD or Blu ray before it included, right. right? Okay. So, again, we need to talk about let's go back to see physical media is a niche. Um, this is not going to get, and, and this is not just Paramount, this is industry wide. Most catalog releases don't get new bonus material, some do. It, some do, especially ones that are worth it, like the, the studio thinks are worth it. The TMP um, got it.
1: The director's edition got it.
2: And so, yeah, we should talk about why that's a special exception, though, because right. I think that's an exception.
1: Yeah, but but Matt's right. Yeah, they're not going you know, to. A lot of these movies have had extra features made 20 years ago, in many cases, during the DVD boom. So mm-hmm. they just they just port that stuff over when they upgrade the, the, the movie image.
2: So there were a round of special features made in 2009 to go with the HD release. Right. And so I think that's interesting that some people get hung up on that. I don't think that's a big deal because what we're here for is the movie, really. You right. know,
1: Right. Um, Those features are pretty thorough, too.
2: And they were, yeah, they were actually quite good. Yeah. And also, what else can you say? The movie is from 1996. What, what more is there?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. And people have talked a lot about it. It's not like it went away.
1: Um, the other thing I think that people were wondering about and were complaining about in your in your post was that these there were no Atmos mixes for these movies. Ah, uh, yes, they already had really good mixes. They did. There was nothing wrong with the mixes. Yeah, they they have not dated it at all. They're pretty damn good. Um, the Motion Picture Director's Edition got one because that is basically a new movie,
2: right? I mean, they. Mm-hmm they reworked it all.
1: Yeah. I mean, that movie has been every frame of that movie and every note in the soundtrack has been touched. To, to... And that was a
2: very special project. That's right. not normal. Like right. that's
1: not typical. Right. <laughs> right. And then they put out that special edition last year, of you know, with the little booklet and all that stuff. And yeah, there was, there were new features in there. Right. Extra features, but that's, an but by again,
2: by and large, most of them were, but most the of same, it was the legacy. stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I get people being a little bummed that they didn't get a new soundtrack, but they really don't need it.
2: No. And again, we should point out that a new soundtrack is also not a very typical thing for catalog releases. Right. Some flagship ones do, but, uh, for example, the one that always sticks in my mind, this actually speaks to both of this, like bringing over bonus features and audio tracks is, um, Christopher nolan's stuff when he when all of his you know like the Batman trilogy that he did was issued on 4K. Uh, essentially, they're just like these. They they had they had an upgraded picture. They had already had an excellent you know um, 5.1 soundtrack already mm-hmm. from being on Blu-ray. Christopher Nolan because it's uh, some of it you know when you're a high-profile director, you you can say you you can pull for the your, you know you can push the studio to say no I want to I want a chance to make a new audio track. Um, so they they I mean they do. They consult with directors obviously not with something like these Star Trek movies, but right. when you're a high profile director, they'll consult with you about physical media releases. Right. And you know what? He chose not to. Right. So you know that's it's not it's just interesting. It's like, well, so you can't really get be mad about that. The director doesn't feel it needs that needs to happen.
1: Right. If yeah, I mean, the Trek movies have 7.1 mixes already.
2: Yeah. It's fine. I really don't know what people think. And remember like Well, the the TNG movies are all from the Dolby digital era, but they all had kind of early 5.1 soundtracks in them when they were released theatrically. But the TOS movies didn't.
0: I mean, of course, the majority of of viewers of these discs are going to have at least 12.1. So what are those speakers going to (laughs) be What the heck?
2: Yeah. Well, and that's why I actually make a point, speaking of that, as you joke, but I make a point, and I have made a point in the last number of reviews I've done to point out that I do have an Atmos system, and there is an algorithm to deal with the difference in, you know, not having all the stuff in the channels. Of course, like, of course, Dolby has something like that. You you can't sell a system that doesn't do that, right? Just like you had to for things that would expand to a surround sound from two channel. And guess what? These things sound good. And the up mixer that picks up on cues and moves it into the height channels and stuff for me... Does a great job. Sounds pretty damn good. I have no like I literally have no complaints. Like it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I think you kind know, of people who just want like box checking. It's like, well, you didn't boo, you <laughs> didn't do this. Oh, you didn't do that. Yeah. And it's like, well, you have to realize that requires some time, effort, and also just somebody has to think it's worth doing. And right. if they think they have perfectly good audio tracks, like they're not going to go. They're not going to go through the
1: extra. And they do. Right. They, they do. This is right. perfectly
2: good. Right. Um, and again, we should stress that like the director's edition of TMP was a whole project soup to nuts doing it all over again. That's right. why it's different.
0: Let's maybe go back a little bit. Cause I definitely want to talk about the history of this. Um, I think a lot of people do know the history of this, but probably also a lot of people don't. It's like looking back at the other remastering um, projects right. and like mm-hmm. that have brought us here to today. And again, you know, you're saying they've already released this and they've already released that. So yeah, take us through that, I guess, and what these remasters have been like.
2: Well, and then we should also, I think, real quick, point out that these these films are films, right? They were finished on film, so everything's on 35 millimeter film right. in a vault somewhere that you can take out and put into a modern digital film scanner. And scan back in and in the end you have a complete film because the visual effects are what they are they were put out onto the third you know everything was everything to the end result on the film and so that's one of the reasons why in a way these movies are low-hanging fruit right like like they're easy for paramount to, to put out right. because they clean them you know they clean up dirts and scratch they give it a new color timing Right. And they pretty much call it a day. I mean, right. there's effort. That's right. I don't want to downplay the effort, but right. the whole point is, that's the way they were made. They were made as films. They're put out on film. Right. It's actually fairly easy to give these a a, a, a simple kind of restoration and right. put them out.
1: Right. It's worth mentioning too that it's it mm-hmm. behooves the studio to have good 4K copies of the film yes. anyway. Yep. For archival purposes. Yeah in addition to having your 35 millimeter prints and the camera negatives and everything mm-hmm. else you, you want to have. Yeah. Because ideally you don't touch you that
2: 35 millimeter film ever. Right. <laughs> that, I mean, that's literally stole, stored in a salt mine.
1: Right. Quite literally. <laughs> it's an yeah. old salt mine. where Yeah. Securely so, it, so this was, this, Paramount had to do this anyway. Um, yeah.
2: And that's why actually, I'm pretty sure as of, they did these a couple of years ago, just yeah. as part of a normal archival process, but. Yeah. They've been timing the release of it. Yeah. But. So,
1: anyway, getting back to the, what Caleb was asking, a lot of people oh. ask about DS Nine. That is a still Voyager. constant topic, Voyager, because they're the only two movies. I, Enterprise.
2: Oh, was, that goes back to it is. It's also kind of is what it is because it was produced in, in a very early HD workflow, so it just kind of is stuck where it is.
1: Right. So. The reason DS9 and Voyager are a problem is because they were shot on film, and then they were they were dubbed onto videotape for editing mm-hmm. and post production. All, all the post production work was done on videotape, which and, was very economical at the time. Yeah, that was very <laughs> typical of the era. There yeah. was nothing unusual. About
0: I mean, it. that's the quality you're going to be getting through your TV. So exactly. It didn't so why
1: would yeah, they, it was it? Yeah, there bother? was nothing unusual yeah. about it. A few, only a handful of shows did not do it that way. It was, for the most part, that was an industry standard. But yeah. consequently, it traps those shows in that era, so they're stuck on in, in this on videotape. Both both those shows, and as anybody who's watched them, either their DVD sets or on streaming, they look like shit.
0: Yeah.
2: It's unfortunate, they yeah, and that goes back to the larger the TV you get, you know, the newer the TV you get, the quality is so good, right? <laughs> they just start to look worse and worse, right? So, well, I mean,
0: if it's possible that you're listening to this and you haven't, you know, gone and look at the TNG remastered comparisons and the TOS, but the TNG is just from this problem, yeah. right? Um, you know, go do that, it's right. incredible, you should.
1: right? Yeah, so. We can go back to the beginning. The first project that was done for this was the original series, obviously. right? Which the 40th requires, anniversary. Right. Which required the least amount of work in many ways. Cause like they, <laughs> they added some effects to Stop. it, but yeah. like the original series was shot and finished on film.
0: I mean, they redid right. all the effects, didn't they?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. As an artifact of being shot and finished on film too. Actually. It's an interesting thing. Right. Because they're stuck that way too. <laughs> right.
1: So yeah, the effects are, yeah, absolutely. Are- um, so it was very easy in terms of getting the show ready. I mean, they added, they changed the effects, but they could have very easily just scanned the move, the, the show, for HD. Release, cleaned it up, called it good. Cleaned it and yeah. called it good. It was not a big lift in that sense, because um, it's in four K. I mean, you could actually make, you could put Tos in four K now. If they, I don't know if they ever will, but they could.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm no, they didn't scan it in 4K. No, like but they no,
1: but they money. could scan it. In oh, 4K, they could. Yeah, they, saying, could, like they could. could like they could, could
2: dig the reels out and right, rescan
1: them. Yeah. Right. and do cool. new color timing on them. And, I, I
2: actually wish they would. I'd yeah, buy them. And they might The 2006 knows? stuff is kind of not holding up so well.
1: Yeah, I mean it's possible that they, they'll go back to it eventually. That's a
2: different topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And in fact, for archival purposes, they probably will eventually scan them in 4K. You would think so. Yeah. And then you want to talk about TNG, the remastering project.
2: Well, so, yeah, so, so, right. So, TOS, in a sense, was quote unquote easy. We say easy, but it was also a heck of a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on a shoestring budget. Right, to, to make get the that effects work. done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what was far harder in many ways was TNG, because as Brian was talking about, well, everything in the post production process, like editing, you know, everything from editing choices to visual effects to you know whatever you did that on what was you know basically a fancy like tape deck system you know that like (laughs) dub ran between two like two pro quality vhs tapes basically you know and so i mean that was state of the art at the time but so what happens is um there's a ton of manpower involved in getting all the 35 millimeter film possible that you could possibly need for say a season right um so you need to find every bit of film that they filmed for that pull it out of their archives scan it just like we've talked about scan it like film scanner hope you do have every bit you need mm-hmm. and then try to reassemble it all based on the editor's notes from 1987 let's yeah. just say so thankfully, they do have those notes archived. <laughs> they were able to consult them, which is really kind of amazing. Um, I mean, obviously, they also have the final the final versions of the of the episodes to right. conform them to, like to match them to. But they were able to find a lot of notes.
0: But they're doing this like from scratch, as if
2: yeah, they were building rebuilding the episodes. Yeah, yeah. This is essentially doing everything in post production again. From like
0: would all would ev- like when they go back and they get the bits on film? Is that every single take?
2: Yes. Uh, if they kept it, because often they kept, you know, it's a reel of film, so they didn't waste the reel. So a lot of times it's every take, alternate takes. There's some really great reads about what this was like to go through, and when, when you read that, oh, you know, they thought this canister of film had the take they need for episode five. Well, guess what? They were also doing um, some final shoots on episode four or like a couple of like reshoots on episode four that made it into the final episode. But the canister is labeled for episode five because that's when they were shooting it, you know, things like that. So there's a ton of manpower, uh, just project work and project management of hunting for the right thing,
1: yeah, treasure hunting basically. Yeah, it really
2: is, and so this is one of the reasons why people think, oh no, it's cheap, it's easy. It's like what you're missing—a huge component is the human labor involved in this is just a lot.
1: You had to scan back 178 episodes, right? But not just is, 178
0: episodes, which is 100, 178 on. like shooting. Like the full thing that was shot yeah. for 178 episodes, and what's I don't know what's back then. What's the typical like ratio of you know number of hours filmed to the number of hours? Oh, uh, that's, the screen? A, good that's a
2: good question. I mean, they were they were doing these episodes in like five days straight, twelve hours a day. Six sometimes. days, I think
1: they were six day schedules.
2: Yeah, it's like, Oh, sorry, you're right, six days. So I mean, you could kind of do the math of that, of like. Obviously, there's lots of time for setup and things like that. I mean, you know, they would change lighting setups so or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you got to imagine. There's tons and tons of feet of I film. Mean,
0: it's, I mean, it's probably more like going through like a thousand episodes worth of
2: yeah, stuff. Probably that's. Yeah. I would probably say so. Yeah. Anyway,
1: it, it is a ma- It was a massive, massive project, and, and Matt and I have talked about this. It is probably will live to be the biggest remastering project in the history of Hollywood. I don't think anybody will ever do anything bigger than. That.
2: Yeah.
0: Like let's just take a moment and appreciate how lucky we are to have this, you guys, as Jack right. fans. and that's
1: the other thing Matt and I have discussed at length. I don't think the studio emphasized when they were doing this project. I don't think they emphasized exactly what they were doing because no, enough. I Matt and I, people like Matt and I, were like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe this." Yeah, is like happening. we understood
2: like, the undertaking, but I don't think they explained it. And it's hard because it's nitty gritty stuff, right? It's kind of right. inside baseball.
1: But like it, it was like they spent a lot of money and a lot of time on doing that, and when it didn't sell the way they wanted it to, it totally doomed DS9 and Voyager from ever getting the same
2: treatment, at least for now. Yeah, for the last decade. Yeah, <laughs> it has. Yeah,
0: I think that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand. A lot of people ask for DS9, which and Voyager too, but DS9 seems to be the big one because DS9 is next. because well, DS, yeah, <laughs> DS9 is next in yeah. line, and it's like I think a lot of people don't realize the the trap that that era of shows is in because of this issue with vi- being on videotape. Yeah. That's the whole, the crux of the problem.
2: The, the DS9 documentary folks tried to explain that too. You know, when they were fundraising to get a few scenes in HD, they they tried to explain like, this isn't trivial. You know, we have to ask CBS to go into their archives, retrieve reels of somebody's
1: got to go find this stuff. Right.
2: Mm hmm and again just just to reiterate this is not like in a closet in hollywood a, they in store these in a temperature right? control yeah I, I think so it's down again for you know it, it's it's almost like it's a high security thing although this is more about store you know secure storage both temperature humidity and everything right but it's literally like in what used to be a salt mine somewhere right and that's because you can be sure it's not going to get messed with. It's not going to get touched by people. It's it, it can be temperature controlled. It can be humidity controlled. So thirty my f- you know so the film doesn't break down faster than it already naturally would. You know, um, so somebody has to go retrieve all this. I mean, seriously, like someone has to go retrieve all this. They have to know that it's the right set of film canisters. Um, they're retrieved they're checked out temporarily of course because this is very valuable you know stuff somebody scans it in very carefully and very carefully puts it back in the yep, tins yep. you know of the reels yep. and returns it to the salt line and like that's it yep. you can't have you you get them for a certain amount of time and then they got to go back right. so it's very laborious like it's not what people think of oh yeah, yeah everything's digital like no these are analog things right this is film right you know
1: DS Nine has separate challenges than T and G did, Yes. Because a lot of the visual effects for DS Nine were digital.
2: Yeah, it was the, one of the first. You know, it right. was the first structure to go really hard into that. Because think about any time Odo morphed. Right. That was that was cutting edge stuff from T Two. Especially, you know especially I mean? for television. Yeah, yeah. T Two would only well, that was two years ago. Two years prior, T Two had done that right. in the movie. It right. was groundbreaking. Right. So. Um, anytime morphs, anytime you see a phaser fired that has to be recreated right and so they they did that for tng because tng the majority of it was just phaser fire almost everything else was physical models right and
1: things like that a lot of what they did for tng the remastering was simply taking the effects reels and recompositing them digitally that's all they did they did so they just looked nicer but it's the same the same material they didn't I mean, there there are there are things they did create digitally for the project.
2: Yeah, new planets. Case. Yeah, here and there and stuff mm-hmm. like
1: that. But mm-hmm. by and large, like shots of the Enterprise and like yeah, a lot of the ships. That's and, all. For and the even then, by show. the way,
2: to go back to the archival process, there were certain shots they still couldn't find. Right. So uh, there's a there's a couple of really common you know constant library you know shots of the Enterprise D. There's there's some that. They actually had to go remaking CGI because they literally couldn't find the right couldn't film. Find it. Yeah, yeah. And every once in a while, there's an alternate take in some of the episodes too, because they had to. Right. They just they had to. It. They had to use right. an alternate take. Right. It's you know, and it's subtle and it's just a few things here and there, right. But
0: But if anyone's gonna notice that, it's, it's trash, yeah, of
2: course. exactly. Of course. And we do, the people have cataloged what's different, oh. you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay, you know, whatever, it's all good,
0: it's all in good fun. That's yeah, no, the, you I, know, I like... actually
2: I like that, like, I kind
0: of like it's like trivia, yeah, it's like yeah, ooh. It's
1: interesting. But getting back to DS9, like, so that brings a challenge to it, like, yeah, so if Odo's created digitally. And it's in an SD format. How would you reconcile that ultimately? If you say shot all the, you got all the live action footage that was shot on film, you could obviously transfer all that. But what do you do with the visual effects? And I personally think the only way they could really do it is maybe take the visual effects and use those scalers that are out
2: there, mm-hmm. and the and, AI scaling. Yeah, take
1: want. the AI scaling and just for certain for the effect shots, maybe that's how you you deal. It's not maybe. it's an imperfect solution, but it may it's be very the only one. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, given the recent things that we've seen on Star Trek Picard, they're gonna have to go and redo all of the odor morphing scenes to look like pizza blob, flesh blobs. Now,
2: now, now. that are
0: wispy and turn into they do. Smoky they do at flesh. least
2: explain why that's the case. So. That's not all changing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's just really hard it's it's a lot so even like Brian, like even you were saying it still requires almost all of that labor of hey the stuff that's still high quality that we can you know before you cut to like a two second visual effect shot that's still got to get scanned in from scratch again right and and edited you know rebuilt in the same timeline you know of of the episode
1: and i guess the other thing is does the studio think there's enough interest out there to justify the expense
2: but i don't know i i am i got to say i am kind of salty about this because i thought the ds9 doc and some other stuff really showed that we did care
1: oh yeah <laughs> proof of concept it was a in a very yeah very impressive
2: and so i'm kind of annoyed that they still don't seem to be even the least bit entertaining of it Yeah, but um it is what it is i guess yeah so i guess then the, the the ultimate cheap thing and this is what and i don't think this is acceptable and i know you don't either brian but is what you see people point to is the oh you can just you know use the ai stuff and upscale everything from like the way they have it and that's truly like first off we just talked about Trekkies noticing alternate takes in tng remastered do you think people are going to be okay with what's a glorified like upscale from 480 pixels to like 4,000 you know but no so I just don't that's one of the reasons why I don't think they've even considered it because that's a joke right like that's the other thing that people need to remember because is the whole property in digital stuff of garbage in garbage out Mm. so you put a low quality thing in yes you can fake a lot of that but there are actual like errors in the 480 stuff that they're still there. And what the algorithm did was amplify them because it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't know it it doesn't know any difference. Right. Um, you can see it in some of the people have done some really great stuff um, on YouTube. There's a few different folks who have done some really awesome you know AI upscales of like DS9 and stuff. And they look pretty good until you hit one of the crazy Idiosyncrasies of how they produced and edited the shows where there's weird, you know, 480i like interlaced crap that just it's an artifact of the way it was made at the time. And that artifact then gets enhanced <laughs> and it's not like you can lose it. So guess what? If you're you that means you can't do it all automated. You would still need a quality assurance process and you would still need someone to manually like recreate and fix those problems right, right? right. so it's like I, I it's not as push button as i think people would like it to no, be. no no i agree you
1: know? i agree with that but but like i said to you in in lieu of rebuilding all those effects from scratch yeah that's an, that's
2: actually a good option
1: yeah i mean i don't know how else you would get it done to be honest me with neither
2: me. uh and so we and we've seen uh something like that before uh to, to a slightly less advanced degree but both firefly and the x-files when yes. they got released on blu-ray they did that which is look the segments that don't have visual effects in it they're you know hd and they're scanned from the negative when they were shot that way and they look great and if there's a visual effect shot unfortunately it turns pretty soft for a few Mm -hmm. seconds and then and it's kind of a mixed bag and i don't really see truckies liking that
0: Mm. if you're gonna do it like do it right
2: yeah so, Brian, your AI scaling is a newer option that's sort of an in-between, in right? It's kind of in-between that. Right. Because what we're talking about is from a few years ago when they did that. Right. So there's some sort of newer options. Yeah. So we'll see. Who knows? Uh, I would love them to actually care, but we'll see.
0: So we're closing in on an hour, but I would like to take my advantage that I have you both captive here and ask you questions for my own personal gain.
1: Sure, of course.
0: Um, So my TV is really old. I don't have an ultra HD 4K Blu-ray player and I don't have a very nice audio system. What should I buy? What TV should I buy? <laughs> what audio system should I buy? And what Blu-ray player should I buy? This is I a voted question
1: <laughs> for a podcast, kella
2: Wow. Um, well, see, and this is where it gets tricky because it's like, do you have a lot of light in your room? Because that may affect what kind of TV oh, you should get. I do can you control the light do you like to control the light like keep it low you know like
0: well i have a lot would... of windows that we don't yeah, have the windows. covers on yeah
2: and you don't have covers on okay so that answers like one of the biggest questions which is okay probably need something that's going to get bright above all else to break through that so that means uh one of the one of the like led Backlit TVs, not an, not an OLED. Oh, really? But the
0: OLEDs are so much better, aren't they? They such a better picture?
2: So they are. I love my OLED. They're very nice. But if you have lots of windows, especially if you don't have window coverings or much of any coverings on them, you're going to end up not being able to compete. With, unless you only watch it in the, in the I, evening. I was going to say, that's
0: what we do right now with Picard. We wait until yeah. the sun goes down to watch so Picard. It's a, so it, if I, I can wait
2: if you can wait an it's, OLED is it's, better, right? the, night, it's better right at night but you would can be still better. watch it during the day i mean i
1: watch mine during the day yeah
0: it's better than what i have now so
2: yeah i mean it really just depends but and that that's a generalization i watch my OLED and during the day too just fine
0: but what's like the features that it doesn't need to be 4k hdr both is there some other thing
2: yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's some, this day, these days, they're synonymous that if you buy a 4k TV, it, it certainly can accept like HDR. Right. Cause they sort of go together. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, at this point I would, rec- it would be as large a TV as you can possibly buy. Basically also like for your space, uh, that's always a good idea when you're watching movies. Um, and then, shoot for sort of a mid-range tv like don't buy the cheapest thing that you're going to be sad with that um you don't have to go crazy either though pick sort of like really any kind of middle you know tier of a tv is going to be pretty darn nice especially compared to one that's like you know 10 years old right, right?
0: and like any of the major brands are going to be pretty comparable to each other
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the most part cool really Really, just depends. The question yeah. is,
1: I like having. I made a point of getting Dolby Vision for my television. Now, maybe that's not as important a thing. Dolby Vision is basically another form of high dif- of HDR. It's their hmm. flavor of it. Okay. Some people think it's better know, than the fairly
2: other. ubiquitous. So yeah, it's worth. Yeah, I think it's
1: worth having, having. a pad anyway. Yeah. And like a lot of the streaming channels, when they broadcast in 4K, often use Dolby Vision.
2: And again, most manufacturers, aside from notably Samsung who refuse to support it because they don't want to, they don't want to pay the licensing fee. Right. Oh, oh, well, oh. I mean, they are, they're like the world's largest TV manufacturer. So there's, they keep trying to throw their weight around about it. So,
0: and it sounds like the Dolby Atmos type, some Dolby Atmos system is like the sort of industry, industry standard for at home surround
2: sound, for like surround sound. Yeah. And the cool part about that is there's some actually fairly good Soundbars that do some a pretty darn good job, like simulating the you know ba- they're they're really cool and when set up right they bounce the sound off your ceiling, so you don't know. need to have actual height speakers because that Atmos, would be nice.
0: We have a small space,
2: yeah. So for a small space, it's actually perfect like, for that because Atmos
1: is a very elaborate speaker array. <laughs>
2: yeah, if it's not like like yeah, otherwise it's I mean, to, for example, I have that set up in my house. So the way they the way they describe it is it's five point one point four, so the five point one look like you're used to like the five you know channels point one for the subwoofer, and then they add another point for the extra uh, sort like, of height like channels.
0: Virtual is that like virtual channels or are they real? I no, they're, they're they're
2: real. They're I have real. four extra speakers that surround my listening area.
0: So you have ten total speakers, including the subwoofer,
2: right? And they're all discrete. Yes. And when you get a really ma- well-made Atmos soundtrack, it sounds freaking great because you can have all kinds of things coming from very clear, like, clear-defined, like, different areas above. That's pretty cool. That's a little crazy I, for the average person. I'm not the average person. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, and I a, yeah Matt and I are a little crazy. We're, <laughs> we're a little crazy. Yeah. But the cool part is there are some really great, like, sound bars, especially for, like, smaller spaces, that can do a virtualized version of that. They have some They ha- they have some extra speakers that aim sound beams and bounce them off like the ceiling down to you as like pseudo height, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, I've just Googled virtual surround sound bars. Okay.
2: Yes, and so there's a lot of that, and some of them are getting quite good from what I understand. Sweet. I, I, I read really favorable things about some of them. Okay, so I'll probably look into worth, that. It's That'll worth be checking out. good for yeah. our,
0: our setup.
1: Yeah.
2: We could talk more about this offline.
0: Hey, I thought our listeners might also be interested. (laughs) I know.
2: Kayla's trying to get some free, you know, consulting here, you know. (laughs) Okay.
0: Last question. What do you guys think is the best non-Star Trek remaster to 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray?
2: Ooh. Ooh, that's hard. Catalog time, you said, right? Yeah. Basically, yeah.
0: Anything not Trek. (sighs) Uh,
2: Um, One of the most impressive things I've seen, though, is the original Blade Runner looks amazing. Blade Runner looks great. Um, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now. Oh yeah, also good. Uh, and then, like we were talking about, for an older for older films, like Casablanca looks amazing. It does if you're into the black and white classic and
1: right? the, the, looks amazing. apparently I haven't gotten it yet, but it's on its way. But the Maltese Falcon apparently looks yeah, really I, close.
2: yeah. Everybody raves about. It. I haven't seen it either yet. Personally, um, yet it they're raving about it.
1: Uh, 2001 looks amazing in 4K. Uh, oh yeah, of course. Should have mentioned that. <laughs> uh, Lawrence of Arabia.
0: Oh yeah, I bet.
1: Um, but yeah, as Matt mentioned, Blade Runner. But there's a lot of them. There's a lot of really good catalog 4K titles out there, and
2: that's that's kind of the the nice thing about um, you know films that were filmed on 35 millimeter, whatever film is. It's entirely possible to go back, do a scan with a modern digital film scanner, that lets you get so much more out of that film, right? That's one of the reasons why we could, we're we seeing so many really great 4K transfers, restorations, whatever you want to call it, yeah. is because you can. You can go back to the, the film, scan it in, and with modern tools, clean it up, get it ready to go, make it look like it was fresh you know, on day one. Then it'll stay that way digitally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right now, if you're a film buff, this is a good time right now.
2: It actually is, yeah.
0: Well, I really hope, like we talked about, that you know the digital media era isn't dying. It may even see a resurgence because people are realizing the downfalls of the digital Brad stuff. Brian,
2: I talk about this a lot too. About it's definitely going to like shrink to a certain like niche, but I don't right. think it's like going away.
1: No, no, no. no. It's going to become a boutique format like laserdisc yeah. was, because that's what it was when I was playing <laughs> buying laserdiscs. That's what. Don't
2: so it say it's going to go the way of
0: laserdiscs. Those lasted for like a day, and the <laughs> no,
1: they they were. Yeah. No, they're they actually run fi- for
2: quite they had while. a lot run. It was just only for collectors. Right. It was a, it's a
1: boutique market, um, but that's what four K is gonna pro- not so much I think Blu-ray and yeah and D V D will be okay. Four K yeah. though I think is a boutique format.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think that's where it's headed. But that's okay too, because yeah, there's still me. a lot of interest in that.
1: Oh yeah, and the studios will absolutely cater to it.
2: Well, and that's right. I mean, they do know they can make some money off of it. Like Brian was talking about, Disney kind of realized, wait, there's still a steady income stream to releasing these things on disc. Right. You know, sure, it's not the gangbusters profit of like Disney Plus, but that also is highly variable as they're learning.
1: Right. My advice to you, Kayla, is the things that you cherish the most, in your case, the Star Trek movies, things that that you love the most, those are the things you buy physically. There's yeah. anything else you can stream really um but stuff that you that is close to your heart have a copy keep of keep it. it yeah keep it on physical that's my somewhere. that's my advice
0: well i already bought the new star trek next generation movie four movie set on 4k ultra hd blu ray right. and whatever other uh, acronyms i can throw in there <laughs> while we were talking I, I clicked by now so
1: all right well i hope this was educational for folks. Uh, you know. If anybody Definitely. has questions, you know, can put them in the comments section and one of us will try to answer.
2: Indeed.
0: Yeah, any final thoughts, guys, on the world of Star Trek Remasters?
1: Um, maybe quickly just say that there's probably a pretty good chance now since Stranger New Worlds is coming out in 4K, the third season of Picard will probably be in 4K as well.
2: Yeah, the whispers are are that's probably going to happen. Yeah,
1: because up till now, Paramount has only recently started digging into their in, in looking into doing their TV shows, their current TV shows in 4K. So, so hopefully, because the first two seasons of Picard were into ordinary Blu-rays, so I think it'd be cool to get this final season the best way we could get it.
2: Well, as we know, it's certainly the most. It's very theatrical-worthy, so yep. it seems like the right one to do it on.
1: Yep. So. Maybe look for that in a few months.
2: Let's hope. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for indulging us. Hopefully, you've actually still, you're actually still listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you have any questions, feel free to drop them
1: in the uh, comment thread. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.
0: Hey, before we sign off, if anyone uh, stuck around after the goodbye... I just wanted to to tag on since we're talking about Star Trek merchandise. This is my new pet peeve. It's become the soul, the thorn in my soul, that we do not have good Star Trek merchandise right now at all, and haven't for a while. And the most obvious merchandise that they need to put out is Murph. a Murph plush.
1: Yeah. Like come no-brainer. on, people. It's a no brainer.
0: It's no brainer. People are making them for their kids already and selling them on Etsy. Everyone wants a Murph plush. So I made a, a very handy um, tool so that you can check whether or not a Murph plush has come out yet. It is called <laughs> Do They Sell a Murph plush <laughs> <laughs> Please go and check. Um, you can check on a daily basis. I have never updated the site because the answer is still no. Still no. So, no. you know, Paramount cbs paramount merchandise department if you're listening hashtag we want murph
1: yeah i mean come on paramount this is the most obvious piece of truck merchandise in like 15 years (laughs)
0: seriously all right that's my piece thanks guys see you next time